Max's Morning Market Mania is back. It is so good to be back with you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I apologize I wasn't here last week. I was a little under the weather. Uh, as you guys know, here in Michigan, we had the weather completely shift. And every single year when that happens, I end up getting a runny nose, a little bit of a sore throat. Felt like a little bit of dog shit, but I survived. Everything is all good. I'm glad to be back here. There's been a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. And I'm just going to cover the most eventful of these things. First, I'm going to start with the scoreboard, of course, let you guys know how the markets have been doing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's start with the last week. So stocks, they've been pretty much flat, uh, nothing really to mention. They've been about up a percent at most. The major indices, S&P 500, Dow Jones, and the NASDAQ. They started off... Uh, Pretty low, they rallied really hard, they went way up, and then they came right back down, so we're closing pretty much even on the week. Of course, give or take a percent. Crude oil, not good guys, it's up 17% this week. And as I've explained to you guys, crude oil, this is traded on the futures market. They're just leveraged financial products and they determine the price of gasoline. They determine the price of oil, which gets refined into gasoline. And that's up 17% this week. And that's a five-week high. And I've already noticed it at the gas station. You guys probably have too. It's getting a little more expensive. Uh, we're not, I'm not, it doesn't seem like I'm going to be getting gas for anything less than four bucks anytime soon. And I don't think this is going to, I don't think this is going to be short-term. I mean, I've, I've called for high gas prices in the past. And I think they will continue to rise. So about some other commodities, gold was up 2.11%. Silver rallied really hard, 5.86% on the week. And actually in two trading days, it was up over 10%. It was up like two bucks, which as you guys know, if you follow the market, it does not move that fast very often. But when silver runs, it fucking runs and it gets exciting. And every time it happens, I, I've got that FOMO. And I know you guys probably get it too, fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. And whenever I see it run, I'm like, shit, I don't have enough yet. And, you know, uh, maybe I'll be able to dollar cost average in. I do think prices have not bottomed out yet because I think the banks, the central banks will continue to raise interest rates and High yields on bonds incentivize people to place their money with bonds because they return X percentage every year. In the case of the 10-year treasury, it's going to give you 3.88% every single year. But if you're holding silver, it has no return. It, it sits there. It's silver. It's a coin. It's a bar. Whatever it is, it's that and that only. It doesn't give you interest or anything like that. So that's why Warren Buffett back in the day called gold nothing more than a pet rock. But as yields go up, Metals usually go down. So I don't think we've bottomed yet and I'm biased. I want it to go lower because I want to be able to buy at a cheaper price. Not sure that I'll be able to though. After I get into my uh, first article, you'll see why it might not be the case or why it might be the case. Uh, on trading economics, I actually read, and I, I read this on from multiple other sources, I didn't get any specific numbers for you guys because it's it's really not that important, but the LBMA, which is the London Bullion Metals Association, their stockpile of silver in their vaults is at an all-time record low. And I've explained this to you guys on multiple occasions that 
they do something called rehypothecation, uh, fractional reserve banking. So they basically, if they have 100 ounces of silver in their warehouse, in their vault, they know that it's more profitable to give paper ownership to a thousand people. So a thousand people each own an ounce, but in reality, if everybody tried to sell at the same time, there's only a hundred ounces that go around. So in that scenario, it's a thousand people with each of them claims to have one ounce, but there's only a hundred ounces. So someone's going to be shit out of luck. But the reality is that it's levered up way more than that. Uh, I checked on usdebtclock.org a few weeks ago. I'll check right now just to get you guys an updated answer. Right now, the amount of paper claims to silver to the actual uh, to the actual silver is 374 paper ounces of silver to one ounce of silver. So imagine a game of musical chairs with 374 people walking around one chair. What happens when the music stops? You guys are smart enough to answer that yourselves. 10-year treasury, as I said, it hit 3.88%, but in the last couple of weeks, it hit a 14-year high, and it just briefly touched 4%. And actually, the 52-week treasury went up to like 4.15%. So you can get a higher return on investment for lending your money out for a shorter period of time, which I would expect a higher return on my investment if I'm committing my money for 10 years, which is a lot longer and a lot more risky than one year. It's an anomaly. I can't explain it, but that's just how it is. Crypto, pretty much flat, plus minus a percent or two, nothing too exciting. But XRP, she's still running, boys. And I think this is going to be a solution for cross-border payments in the future. I think it has the potential to be a trillion-dollar market cap, maybe more. If you look at the total nominal value of all the derivatives and currencies on the planet, you're going to get a number around two quadrillion. So in the long game, a trillion dollar market cap really isn't that big. That's one two thousandths of the total nominal value of all the financial products out there. So it's only at like a 25, 26, maybe $30 billion market cap right now, but it was up 17% this week and about 51% on the month. Last I checked, she was at about 54 cents. And I remember back in 2000. 20 maybe, maybe it was, I think it was early 2020. I was buying XRP at, at 19 cents and I ended up selling it a little bit over a dollar. And I actually haven't gotten a full position established back in because I was holding out for 25 cents, but she only went as low as 29 cents. And instead of impulse buying the rally, uh, which would be kind of irresponsible to do, although it would have paid out if I did that, uh, I try to practice discipline in my investments. And when you see something going up, your emotions tell you to fucking buy it. It's going up. People are getting rich. People are making money. I want to get in on that too. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But I didn't get in it. I didn't get my big positions established. And she's at 54 cents right now. I hope it goes back down, but I'm not really sure that it will. They're going through that SEC lawsuit. And it sounds like things are coming to a conclusion. And it sounds like the SEC is going to lose. And when that day comes... I think XRP will probably have a pretty damn good day, probably a pretty good week. So GBP, the great British pound, pound sterling, it hit a all-time record low on September 27th, or 26th, rather. So this is uh, this just happened a couple of weeks ago, and 
Uh, I will explain what happened with this in my second article, but I'll, I'll give a brief summary. There was some complications, and it looked like some pension funds were about to go bust. And that basically means someone, they have this pension that's lined up to pay them out money during their retirement, and they, have a, they work at a company, and this company is responsible for this pension. But what happens if that company goes bankrupt? Then you're shit out of luck. Unfortunately, that's exactly the case. Unless the Bank of England comes in and bails them out, which they basically did. They reversed course and they started printing money again and they used that money to buy guilt, which is just a, a bond. In, that's what they call it in the UK. And they printed money to buy these guilts to stabilize the market. And uh, they got enough duct tape on the, on the broken dam to at least hold it together for a little while longer. So it went as low as 1.03. And it was at 1.35 back in February, so that's that's a pretty drastic drop. She's back up, up over 1.1 now, though, so not as bad as its record low, which took place on September 26th. But year over year, it's down 18.55%. So who's getting that strength? Who's on the other side of that trade? Everything's measured against the dollar because the dollar is the world reserve currency. That's up 19.91% year over year. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough with the, the scoreboard for the week. Just wanted to get you guys a little info on what's been happening. We'll get into the first article. This is from the Wall Street Journal. UN, which is the United Nations, UN calls on Fed, other central banks, to halt interest rate increases. A UN agency warns that further policy tightening risks a global economic downturn. And this is following three... 75 basis point rate hikes by the Federal Reserve in a row. And September was the last time they did that. And it seems like they're still on course to raise rates again in November. Uh, the United Nations calling on them to halt rate increases. I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to just be like, okay, we'll just stop it. I mean, they have inflation to fight. We, we are struggling with our economy. And as they increase rates, it will decrease economic output, but it'll also tame inflation, which is exactly what we want. We printed 8.3% on the last CPI number, and I think we're going to get a new one this week. I haven't verified that, but that's beside the point. If you want to see that, tradingeconomics.com, that's my go-to resource for a lot of this financial news, and if you want to see the rate hikes or the, the CPI numbers, you can always go there. So in this article, they mentioned that India's central bank said that the global economy was facing a third major shock after the COVID pandemic and Russia's invasion on the Ukraine in the form of aggressive rate increases by central banks in rich countries. The, agent, the agency estimated that a 1% rise in rates lowers economic output in other rich countries by 0.5%, and in poor countries, minus 0.8%. So this is a given. You raise interest rates, you incentivize people to uh, put their money in bonds and whatnot because they can get a decent return on investment. Even though the real yield is negative, and I've explained this to you guys, but in case you don't know, there's the nominal yield, which is 3.88%. That's on the 10-year treasury. But what's the real yield? If inflation is at 8.3% and your dollar is losing 8.3% every year, but you're earning 3.88% interest on that, then you're just looking at the difference between that 
3.8 or that 8.3% and 3.88%. So you end up with somewhere around a minus 4% real yield. So with them incentivizing people to hold dollars and invest their money in, in treasuries and bonds, then that's less money that's going out into the system. That's less money that's going into risk on assets like stocks, crypto, such and such. And it creates downward pressure on the economy. And that's exactly what's happening. So the UN calling on them to stop the rate hikes. Why are they doing this? They're doing this because they know that all of these governments, they're so hopelessly indebted, all these giant banks, they're, they're extremely indebted and everything is really fragile right now. And if they raise interest rates enough, then it can break the system. And that's exactly what they're worried about. So the Fed has been in a pickle for a long time. They've got two options. They can either not raise interest rates, whether that means uh, quantitative easing, you know, printing more money to buy up more bonds, which would lower the yields on bonds and uh, stimulating the economy artificially. They can do that, which would cause hyperinflation which would make our cost of living go up even more, or they can raise rates so much that they collapse the economy. It'll cause layoffs, bankruptcies, and whatnot. So which one is worse? I don't know, but I know what the end game is. I think what will happen is they'll raise rates until something breaks or something is very close to breaking, and they'll do it until they absolutely cannot anymore, and then inflate until you die. That's their plan. They, they'll lower interest rates, they'll print money, maybe they'll give out more stimulus checks, this and that, hoorah, lots of fun, and then we will see hyperinflation, and then what's the next step after that? Well, our currency collapses, we're going to need a new currency, that's when the good old World Economic Forum comes in, they swoop in, oh, we're here to save you, you know, the whole, oh, in 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, you know, th those people, Klaus Schwab, Larry Fink. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Justin Trudeau, all these people who are your best friend and have your best interest in mind. Make sure you sense the sarcasm. These people do not have your best interest in mind. They're going to come in with a central bank digital currency, whether they give you a universal basic income or not. They will have control over every aspect of your finances. If you're one of those people that's like, oh, Joe Biden is bad, then they'll be like, oh, he's a, he's a fascist, he's a, he's a terrorist, we need to cut off his income. We need, we need to make it so he can't spend his money on anything. And then they just do a few keystrokes and then you know their, their central bank digital currency, it'll probably operate on the blockchain because it's most efficient. And then they can shut your money off, they can make it so that maybe your money gets a negative yield so that you're incentivized to spend it quickly to stimulate the economy. Or maybe they'll, They'll be like, oh, you, you do drugs or something. You lost your privileges to spend your money wisely. So your central bank digital currency credits, they're only eligible for use at the grocery store or the hardware store. You can't spend it on anything else. If you trust the government and all of these people, then by all means, embrace this central bank digital currency. But if you don't like being a debt slave to the system, this is how the system has been designed. And a lot of us are debt slaves to the system. If you don't want that, then say no to central bank digital currencies because they will come in the very near future. And the perfect time to usher it in is when there's a currency collapse and everything is 
like shit is hitting the fan, everything is wreaking havoc, then they can usher it in quickly, efficiently, precisely, and then before you know it, once, once you're in, you're in. And then we get some dystopian uh, communist society in the future. Hopefully not, though. I hope the good people win. I vote for free market capitalism. So the second article, good old Zero Hedge provided us with this. This guy, Tyler Durden, who writes all these articles, he's honestly a character. He's, he's a bit political, and he's really sarcastic in a lot of his articles, which is pretty entertaining because I, I think it's funny. So just a correction, I thought that Tyler Durden was an alias of one person writing on Zero Hedge, but it's actually all the writers writing under the same alias. So just wanted to get that correction in there, guys. But here's what the article reads. Forced selling of everything. UK pension funds are still liquidating assets, seeking bailouts. This is what I explained, guys. These pension funds, they are in distress. They don't have enough money, and they're getting margin calls. When you have a margin call, uh, it's very common to get margin called. I've been margin called before. It's when you're investing more than you have. You're using your collateral. Say they own $100 billion in real estate. They're going to put that up as collateral, and then instead of uh, uh, investing with $10 billion, since they have $100 billion in collateral, they're going to give them another 50 60 70 maybe $100 billion to play around with. And if your collateral decreases in value, then they're not going to risk losing their money. So they're going to margin call your ass. They're going to auto-liquidate. They're going to sell what you can they're going to make you sell what you can, not what you want, so that they can get their money back. And that's exactly what's going on with these pension funds. And I don't think this is so far out of the realm of possibilities that it, that it couldn't happen to the United States. So I'm not smart enough to tell you how to avoid this, but you can always look at various different options. You know, maybe know the company that you're investing in or... Say you've worked at a company for 30 years and you have a pension fund built up so you can you know, get, have money in retirement. Maybe look at this company's balance sheet. Look at their finances. Are they solvent? Are they insolvent? Are they, are they responsible? Are they irresponsible? And if you think they might be irresponsible, then if that company goes bankrupt and they don't get bailed out, then you're shit out of luck. You might have 700K in your pension that, that's going to keep you alive, but if that company goes bankrupt, you fall victim to that counterparty risk, and you are SOL. We don't want that to happen. That's why I like investments with no counterparty risk. Gold, no, no bankruptcy can make me lose my gold. It's in a sock drawer somewhere. It's buried in the dirt, whatever. Any bankruptcy or any currency crisis could happen, and my gold will still be there. But if there's a bankruptcy and you have your money in a pension fund, or what if, God forbid, Vanguard went bankrupt, then my Roth IRA would be fucked. Now, Vanguard will not go bankrupt because they are in with the World Economic Forum and all these unelected elites that rule the world. So they'll be the first people to get bailed out. So I think my money is safe with Vanguard, but... There's something called a black swan, and it's an event that you can't see coming. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that an event that I can't see coming will come at some point. So at least be aware of that. I like having money in, in assets with zero counterparty risk. 
if you hold Bitcoin on a ledger wallet in cold storage, you know, uh, an exchange going bankrupt, it won't bother you. I mean, yeah, it might impact the, the dollar price of your cryptos in your hard wallet. But if I, with my Bitcoin on Coinbase, what happens if Coinbase goes under? We've seen this happen already. And if Coinbase were to go under and your assets are held there, it's as easy as saying we can't afford to let people liquidate right now or maybe ever. So protect yourself against that. Look at the options and just do your research. I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer to this. In a depression, everybody loses, but the person who wins is the person who loses the least. So everybody loses in a depression. We want to be the people that lose the least, though. That's our plan. All right, so in this article, UK pension funds are slash have been servicing ever-increasing margin calls driven by the extreme moves in real and nominal rates. Uh, so gilts, as I said, they're government bonds in the UK. The Bank of England stepped in to buy gilts to stabilize the market. Pension funds continue to sell assets to meet cash calls. Don't let this happen to you guys. I, I pray for the people in Europe, but it sounds like this may have stabilized. And one thing I haven't mentioned on this podcast yet is that Deutsche Bank and Credit Suisse are experiencing some trouble right now. Aside from the fact that their stocks are like down 90 plus percent over the last couple of years, uh, they're running into trouble and there's a lot of, lot of talk on the internet. I mean, it's internet talk, it's chatter. I mean, rumors. I don't know what's actually happening. And I doubt any of these people really know what's happening. The people that know what's happening are the people on the inside or the people that are smart enough to read their balance sheets and their debt obligations and truly decipher if they're solvent or insolvent. But people are calling it Lehman 2.0. And as you guys know, uh, Lehman, they went down in 07 and they triggered the great financial crisis. And what triggered that uh, crisis was Lehman going down and they had $600 billion on their balance sheet. That's a lot of money, right? That was enough to send the global economy into a downward spiral. Now you're probably wondering how much is on the balance sheets of Deutsche Bank and Credit Suisse. Well, don't be too alarmed. It's $2.7 trillion. It's a lot more than the $600 billion that took down the global economy when Lehman went bust. Is it, are they going to go bust? I don't know. I mean, I know for a fact when, when shit hits the fan in the economy, central banks and governments, they're going to be issuing bailouts like it's a contest. And I personally don't think it's right, but there's a trade-off. Uh, AIG back in 08, they were going to go bust. And if they went bust, they're a huge insurance provider, uh, pensions, 401ks, all that. If they went bust, then millions of people would have lost their retirement accounts. So yeah, that sucks. That would be absolutely horrible. Does it make sense to take money out of taxpayers' pockets to bail them out for being irresponsible? Uh, no, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. I, I'm gonna try to be smart enough to not keep my money with irresponsible companies that are leveraging up as much as they can so that they can reap in as much profits as they can to satisfy their shareholders. And if, if they're irresponsible, I think that 
the proper solution is to let them go bust and then bring in new economic growth. This big bank goes down, guess what? That breeds opportunity for you and I to go in and fill that gap. We can go in, we can build a new business, create new jobs, create new stimulation for the economy. And I, I think that's beneficial, a lot more beneficial than taking money out of the taxpayers' pockets to pay for these idiots at the banks that are just being irresponsible just to make hella profits. Fuck them. That's what I got to say. Fuck them. I, they can go bust for all I care. But I'm here telling you guys that we need to be cautious. We need to make sure our money is in the right spot. Because when that does happen, if they don't get bailed out, then we will unfortunately be fucked. Sorry about the doom and gloom, guys. I, I'm ready for the bull market as much as you guys are. And that bull market will happen when the Federal Reserve reverses course and they start quantitative easing again. And they start printing money, lowering interest rates. But my prediction before was that we're a ways away. I think we'll go through 2023 without seeing the bull market resume, which I want the bull market to resume because it's profitable. It's way easier to make money in a bull market. A bull market can make idiots look smart. Uh, but I think the UN calling for them to stop raising rates I don't think that's really that really means anything. I don't think they're going to do anything. Jerome Powell seems pretty committed to raising interest rates and combating inflation. So bull market might resume in a couple years. So be patient. Dollar cost average in on the dips. And keep educating yourself. Next article, another one from good old Zero Hedge. The $31 trillion question, can the Fed afford to pivot? No, they cannot. And what he means by that is if the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates and our government, the United States government, holds $31 trillion in debt. It just passed that number in the last few weeks. $31 trillion. What's our GDP? Let me get a number for that. Our current GDP, according to usdebtclock.org, is – where is that good old GDP number? Uh, I don't see it and I won't waste too much of your time, but it says that the current debt to GDP ratio is 125%. So it would take 1.25 years of all of the economic output in the country, all of those dollars going towards paying off the debt. And then we won't have any debt. Obviously we cannot afford that. And all of that debt, they pay interest on it. And what happens when interest rates go up? The amount of interest that you pay on your debt goes up astronomically. What is 1%, an extra 1% going to do to a $31 trillion debt? I mean, that's going to add $310 billion every single year out of taxpayer dollars pockets. We can't afford that. We're running like a $2 trillion deficit every single year. You think we can afford another $300 billion? I mean, everyone wants to like cut uh, the defense budget and you know, Social Security and Medicare, they're costing us trillions of dollars every year. I mean, we can't afford to do anything other than cut spending. So raising interest rates will drastically increase our, uh, our interest payments on our debt, and we won't be able to afford it. And they're talking about continuing to raise interest rates. So in this article, 
In short, the U.S. is staring at a massive fiscal decision in the coming months and years. The situation isn't insolvable, but it also isn't going to be easy to get through. We're staring at a global recession at a minimum, as well as a sovereign debt crisis in the West and in some emerging markets. This debt is going to be very hard to pay off, and I think our best way to pay it off is to hyperinflate the currency. If we hyperinflate the currency, uh, yeah, your, your gallon of milk that was $5 before, it'll cost $30 now. But that will make the debt easier to pay off because it'll be worth a lot less. If the currency loses 50% of its value, then the debt lost 50% of its value. So if you're one of the people that loans your money out to the government and they owe you that money, I mean, yeah, sucks to suck. You're going to be getting paid dollars that are, you're going to be getting paid back in dollars that are worth far less than they were when you lent it to them. U.S. has a lot, that, lot of debt that needs rolling over in 2023. It will have to happen at higher rates. As the debt gets rolled over, it gets onto the new interest rate, the new super high interest rate, and that's going to, we're going to see the culmination of that over the coming years, uh, maybe the coming six to 18 months, and we're going to see how much it actually costs the United States government to service the interest on their debt every single year. I'll tell you one thing, it's out of our budget. Here's some advice that the author had for us. Advice, get and stay out of debt, minimize expenses where you can, and develop strong local communities to assist each other while the geopolitical tensions continue to rise. It seems like great advice to me. Uh, I do like the idea of having debt at a 3% interest rate in a currency that's losing 8% every year because you're paying it off in dollars that aren't worth as much as when you initially borrowed the money. But it is better to not have debt because then you don't have a debt obligation. You don't have to pay off that debt. And I'd rather owe no money than some money. And you guys are probably with me on that. Uh, minimize expenses. I mean, there's, there's, he's not a genius for suggesting that. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. Minimize your expenses. And developing strong and local communities to assist each other, that, that also seems smart. I mean, times are tough. Times are tough for all the people around me. Times are tough for me. And if we have a strong community where we have each other's backs, that, that won't do anything other than help. So I see a lot of utility in that. So I'll guess, I guess I'll answer that question, the $31 trillion question, can the Fed afford to pivot? No, they, they can't, but they have to. They can't, but they have to. It uh, doesn't make much sense. None of this shit makes sense. We're in a pickle, and, I mean, we're basically choosing death by drowning or death by fire at this point. Hyperinflation or a deflationary bust. A deflationary bust, all asset uh, classes, they just plummet. Your 401k, your mom's 401k, your aunt, your grandma's retirement, your uncle's pension, just goes down the shitter. Uh, the dollar gets enormously strong as everyone flees to dollars because they're scared because stocks are down 10% this week. The world's ending. You know, it's going to fall out the bottom. People go to dollars for safety and in a deflationary bust. But in hyperinflation, uh, 
your gallon of milk, uh, yeah, it'll probably double, triple, maybe quadruple in price, maybe 10x if it's as bad as Weimar, Germany, or Zimbabwe, or Venezuela. They've all had very, very bad hyperinflation in the past. Uh, you know, asset classes, they'll probably increase in value as more money is coming into the system. A lot of that money will find itself in stocks, in crypto, in gold, and it'll boost asset prices up. I would prefer neither, but neither isn't an option. Uh, I guess I'd choose random because they're both very bad. But in a deflationary bust, I plan to buy the dip at least. But in a hyperinflationary scenario, I guess I would reap the rewards of the asset, class, asset classes increasing in value. But that's something for you guys to ponder on. I just wanted to give you guys some information, uh, get your brains thinking, inspire you guys to think outside of the box and educate yourselves financially because nobody is going to take care of us. Nobody's there to save us. The government can't afford to save us. They'll never be able to afford to save us. So we need to create our own prosperity, our own financial independence, or else we will continue to be debt slaves to the system. And if you don't want to be a debt slave to the system, you must educate yourself financially, have a game plan, invest consistently, or have a solid plan to invest in the future. You need to take advantage of uh, tax laws, you know, investing in a Roth IRA where your uh, capital gains are tax deferred, options like that, maybe diversifying your assets. Maybe you want to do 10% in crypto, 20% in precious metals, 50% in stocks, the rest in cash, whatever. Everyone has their own financial goals. You need to figure them out yourself and you need to tailor tailor an investment plan that suits your standards and your goals and do, do your own research, get a lot of different opinions. Maybe you hire a financial advisor, maybe you don't. Certainly don't just listen to me because I don't have my shit figured out. I'm just doing this because I love this. I have fun with this and I want to do everything I can to help you guys. So if you enjoyed it, please, it would mean the world to me. Refer a friend, tell one person about this show, tell them what it's about, tell them what they can learn from it. If you found value, I'd really appreciate it if you shared it on social media. And if you have any feedback, I would greatly appreciate that you reach out to us. You can always reach out to us on Instagram at underscore new school project, or you can email us at new school uh, or info at newschoolpodcast.com. And as always, tune into Wednesday's full length episodes where we have a lot of fun. We have the whole gang on and we talk about interesting topics. Thursday nights are for live stream gaming. We have a lot of fun with that. We play the latest games. We play zombies. We play Fortnite, this and that, whatever. We have fun with it. And tune in, share the show. Thank you everyone for listening. You guys have a blessed day.